this is the Lovely Meanings Podcast with Charlotte Rabbi, where we discuss whatever. Okay, so for today's episode, I wanted to not have any guests and just see what I can talk about myself. So hope you enjoy that. I'm just going to talk about the stuff I'm, I'm interested in and I feel like I want to talk about. Um, it's mostly going to be film related, so that's just a heads up there. Um, I'll sort of start off with the fact that I went to the cinema for the first time in a long, long time lately, recent, um, quite recently, and I went to see Cruella, the new Disney film. Um, I was looking back on my letterbox to see the last time I went to see a film in the cinema, and it was Jojo Rabbit in February of 2020, so it's been over a year, and... As good as Jojo Rabbit was, as like a send-off, Cruella as return, eesh. I mean, I'll be honest, I really, I was not a fan. And it made me feel kind of crap because everyone I saw it with kind of liked it. Well, they like they definitely liked it more than I did. But, you know, I didn't want to like pretend that I liked it when I didn't. Um, I can sort of break down the reasons for what like why I felt the way I did about it um well just Disney films in general recently they just feel like such a cash grab and it's just it's painful it doesn't feel like there's any sort of real artistry or care that goes into it um I guess it's slightly different with Pixar films even though they are technically Disney films now but with Pixar films you know Toy Story 4 made me cry in the cinema so and I was, what, 16 at the time. I was probably a bit too old to be crying to Toy Story. But you know what? Do you see why? There's, there's a difference there. There's clearly some kind of difference. And then I think especially because the fact that Cruella comes from a unit of, like, an established story in the Disney sphere. What, with 101 Dalmatians, which is a great film, by the way. The animation is incredible. Um, this one, I think it was following in the footsteps of Maleficent where they're trying to like give these sort of redemption arcs to the the villains of the and I guess the Joker as well actually it's not the same universe but it's that it fits into that category as well of like the villains get their own films just they can see how they had like a troubled childhood or whatever and how you know what they're not really the bad guy um the funny thing is though Corella fails to sort of answer that question as like explain how she ended up becoming the woman she is in the 101 Dalmatian films. It doesn't really address that whatsoever. I mean, it makes sort of, like, jokes about it. Oh, did she kill the dogs? No, she didn't. She's a good person. You're supposed to like her in this film. Well, then... So then, how the hell does she end up doing it in the 101 Dalmatians? It doesn't really make that much sense. I think they were just too afraid to push kids away from liking her. Because, of course, it's a kid's film at the end of the day. It, it felt like a very PG version of, like, punk. Yeah, they were, like, her outfits were edgy, supposedly. And I feel it, it felt more like a fashion show, to be honest, than, like, a movie. Um, the outfits were... I, I have nothing against them. They were pretty good, actually, a lot of them. They were very much inspired by, like, Vivian Westwood, you could tell. And you could see, like, Alexander McQueen and sort of the performance aspect of it with 
the out with the way the outfits were displayed. It wasn't just like a model walking down a catwalk. You know, they were almost like a, a rock concert feel in some of them. But it didn't click with me. I I ended up getting quite bored with the storyline because it was quite predictable, and that meant that I sort of focused a lot on the other like little the smaller details and the more you focus on them the more you see that very little effort was put into them and the more frustrated you get I say you I mean me (laughs) um I really liked the soundtrack the the songs that they were playing were just like classic classic tunes from the 60s the 70s whatever and so I found a lot because there were quite a few montages in this film and I feel like I like I love a montage here and there but when there's multiple and the the amount that this one had I feel like they just don't really know what to do so they're just gonna fill up with montages and include a catchy song that everyone already knows so then it feels like a good vibe you know it's like this even if you're not really paying too much attention to like these details you know subconsciously you feel comfortable with it once you hear a song that maybe you don't know all the words to or you don't know who sang it but you've definitely heard it before in 10 million other films um so there's that kind of comfort that I guess they're providing the audience but to me it, it, it just felt like as much as I enjoy those songs you know I'm watching a film I'm not watching or a movie if you want to sound less pretentious with it I'm not I'm not trying to listen to a Spotify playlist I think since I think it's all uh, a lot of this comes down to like Guardians of the Galaxy because Guardians of the Galaxy did this really well they stuck with the 80s nostalgia thing that's really popular at the moment and in doing so, they had a soundtrack that was basically tunes from the 80s. That was all it was. But then it did really well. It sold, like, it was really successful commercially, that, that soundtrack. Because it was basically just an 80s mashup playlist. And I feel like Corella was trying to do the same, but with, like, the 60s and the 70s. That rock kind of vibe. And that was, they were just trying to do the exact same thing, but with that niche. And then that's why they included all the most famous songs from that period the most recognizable the most commercially successful songs and just repackaging them as a Cruella soundtrack I guess that's a good thing for them because it makes them money but it just it was so blatant that it made it difficult to enjoy smirk that was her thing you know she would just pull that face and like occasionally laugh and nothing and she wouldn't do anything particularly evil for her to have an evil laugh but she would laugh anyway and it didn't really make that much sense in comparison to like Glenn Close, who was like genuinely quite scary in the '90s version of this film, live-action version of this film, she like Glenn Close just generally has quite a scary face. If you ask me, I think it's because she was in that film. I can't remember what it was called. The one where she is like a murderer. Well, she she's like a crazy girlfriend and then goes killing people. Let me see what it's called. She has these crazy eyes, and I think she's very good at that kind of role. What is the film called? I'm going to find it. Give me a sec. Fatal Attraction. That's it. So she plays a complete nutter in that with like a knife and everything. She's genuinely scary. And so I think she's perfect for that kind of role. And Cruella was great for her. You know, she apparently I saw this today that in her contract, she actually had one of the clauses say that she gets to keep all her outfits from that film. Um, So I think she just embodied the role so perfectly. And she remained the villain in that film, which is... I think that's just what she is, you know. If you're going to have a character that's so evil like that, you've got to keep them, like, as the villain, really. They were trying to make her, like, a sort of Oliver Twist-type character. She's an, she's an orphan. She steals. Um, this is in the most recent version of Cruella, that is. 
they didn't explain how those those two psychics that she has um Cor- Corella has end up becoming the characters that you see in the in the cartoon film how do they end up be- I can't remember what their names are let me look at Jasper and Horace they don't explain how Jasper and Horace go from being like almost equals to her maybe not quite so they sort of address how like she's sort of demanding and she's like and they don't but they don't like being in that sort of submissive role in the film so how do they end up accepting that submissive role and like becoming the simps that they become like they don't explain that and they don't explain how she goes from saying of course I wouldn't kill dogs to actually like skinning them and being a a maniac it makes no real sense and that just irritated me um I liked I like I said I liked listening to the music because it was just songs I liked you know it's not very difficult to do that. They're just like playing popular stuff that's already there. You know, it's not exactly rocket science. Um, and I liked, I guess, the London scenery because I just like it whenever I see London in, in films because I'm from London. But that's you know, that's just the thing. It's, I wouldn't really give it credit for that. Um, her accent was slightly iffy. I'll tell you that. The thing that I don't like about when American people or just anyone who doesn't who's not from the UK tries to put on an English accent I mean there's multiple English accents but like considering the type that she was going for so the younger actress that played Cruella in this film she I mean even her voice was slightly iffy I'll be honest but I think she is actually English herself she her I also say she's gonna be stunning when she grows older very beautiful girl but anyway her voice was very much just like almost slightly cockney I'd say it wasn't it was definitely not posh but then when they cut to Cruella as a grown woman that being Emma Stone her voice like what she's she's trying to do like a Downton Abbey impression like what are you doing when did you learn to speak like that was it whilst you were an orphan living (laughs) begging on the streets or like stealing with Jasper and Horace who do not sound like that at all by the way like, why does your voice sound like that? I get that she's supposed to be crazy dramatic and that's just sort of her vibe with, like, the fashion and all that, but that doesn't really dictate your voice. It didn't make sense. I think it was simply a case of that's the only accent that Emma Stone can really do that's kind of British. I think that was pretty much it. So that kind of annoyed me. Do you know what? They could have done it so that she did have that more sort of, like, rough working-class accent londoner type voice but then she puts on that posh voice once she starts working for um emma thompson's character they could have done that because emma thompson has that kind of really posh voice which is sort of expected because she plays the baroness i think if if she'd done that switch that would have been much nicer because then it also would have also fit in with her character switch from estella which is like her birth name to cruella i think that would have been a good idea actually yeah there were like other little things that sort of bothered me with it like little editing mistakes but I don't think I think it's kind of it feels kind of petty to go into all of that um but fundamentally I didn't particularly enjoy it in comparison to like the Joker movie which came out was it like two years ago now which is crazy but um yeah that one I feel like it handled it much better I mean it wasn't perfect I can't remember off the top of my head what my complaints were with that movie because it was too long ago and I haven't really thought about it that much since 
yeah, they, they, they didn't make her enough of an anti-hero. They didn't give her enough of, like, an evil side. Like, what, there was nothing evil about her. All she wanted to do was create, like, cool outfits that was sort of not ball gowns. You know, they were a bit more rough around the edges. That was her being, like, not fitting the mould. That was her being edgy. And occasionally she'd go and fight in school. Like, who cares? She, that doesn't make her an anti-hero. That doesn't make her evil in any kind of way. I wouldn't call that like the dark side of her or anything just because she wears black and white like whoa how edgy um but with with the joker character this is the joaquin phoenix film i'm talking about he obviously they did explore those other sides and obviously here they incorporated elements of mental health and that sort of aided the story along as well Whereas with her, what do they even do? Nothing really. Uh, yeah, it's, I think that's probably the film's main flaw really, is that it's PG, so they can't really explore those things. Or maybe they can and they're just not creative enough. Um, they didn't. I don't think they put too much effort into the script. They could have definitely made it more interesting. I wouldn't be able to tell you how. Um, you know, fun fact, one of the first ever podcasts I ever listened to was called, I think it was called Movie Maintenance. And it was these a bunch of australian guys and possibly girls i can't remember and they would basically pick out a movie or tv show mostly movies because the name of the podcast movie maintenance and they would call out all the flaws of it and then and then they they would sort of pitch their own versions of it so they would give it some maintenance in that sense they would make it better and it was in a sense it was basically fanfic now I'm thinking about it but I, I was really really interested and invested in their versions of these films a lot of the time they did improve them I remember so specifically listening to a high school musical one um do I remember what they changed about it not really but it was really interesting so I'm not going to steal that idea from them and also I don't think I'm creative enough to be able to do it myself so I'll just say that Corella needs fixing couldn't tell you how <laughs> um what else so that's cruella there we go it was a slightly disappointing return to the cinema but it was fun to just be in that sort of space um watching something with the big screen i mean i now need glasses when i go to the cinema and i'd actually forgotten um to bring them this week when i went so it was it was a bit of a struggle but you know it was all good i just listened to the music and vibed so yeah what else did i want to talk about i wanted to talk about okay in terms of like anti anti heroes, which is sort of what they were trying to go for with Cruella, I've been watching a TV show lately called Bojack Horseman, and I just wanted to talk about it because I feel like it fits in with that, and also I find it really interesting and it's really good. And I don't know, maybe after talking about this, if you haven't watched it already, you might want to watch it yourself, and I think you might like it. Okay, it's for those people. For those of you who don't know anything about it, it's an animated show about a the titular character, Bojack Horseman, and it's a sort of it's a alternate universe type version of Hollywood in which there are anthropomorphic characters, so that's like there like animals that are have human qualities. For example, Bojack Horseman, who is part horse, part man. Um, and they have loads of different animals there. Um, and it's sort of just the norm. That's just 
this universe in which that's the case. Anyway, um, Bojack Horseman himself is sort of like a middle-aged failing actor. Why say failing? He had a hit show in the 80s, 90s, in the sort of like, in the sitcom really, in like a sort of classic cheesy family sitcom. And that was his like peak of stardom. And since then he's become a depressed alcoholic. (laughs) You know, the classic. And he's a very flawed character. He does really bad things, like genuinely really bad things. And yeah, I don't know, it's really interesting, I absolutely love it. It's a comedy, by the way, believe it or not. It is quite depressing, but it is a comedy. Um, I was actually looking at the Wikipedia page for it, and they they called it a tragedy comedy. So it's like a tragedy and a comedy, which is quite nice. I think that that's it, really. Because pretty much every episode, there's a point where it's like, you know what, I could probably start crying right now, because it's so genuinely depressing. But then at the same time you're laughing and I know there are loads of things that you could really say that about there are loads of shows that I've watched that are kind of like that but this one probably I've never felt that way really about a cartoon you know what I'm gonna say I think it's better than Rick and Morty because <laughs> I know Rick and Morty sort of does that as well everyone's like oh my god it's so intellectual and yeah it's it's, it's genuinely really funny it's actually hilarious and it's really creative there was no speaking there was no dialogue throughout most of it because of course this is a world in which animals are humans in a way the episode occurred mostly underwater in a sort of like a spongebob type place but it was from the perspective of bojack who was a land animal so he was wearing a bit like sandy and spongebob one of those like you know those what they call i can't even think of a name for it one of those things over the head, you know, like a helmet type thing that's glass, whatever. I can't speak. Um, he's wearing one of those. And obviously it's more realistic. So then because it's from his perspective, he can't hear what everyone else is saying. It's all just like bubbles. like bob, 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 bob. And so that's basically all that. And then so basically he doesn't speak for the entire episode. And everything that happens in the episode is nonverbal. It's all just like actions and sound design to make the bubble sounds and like the underwater um what was i saying i got distracted sorry uh yeah it was the episode was yeah it was it was all just like physical i guess it was non there was no dialogue that's basically what i was just trying to say but it was really creative the way they did that and it was still just as like emotionally impactful as any other episode would have been where there would have been like a big speech or whatever like there's another episode in which there's a funeral and the entire episode is just one long eulogy delivered by Bojack Horseman and that's literally all it is it's just him talking but it's again really really good (laughs) you know it's got the comedy in there and it's got the tragedy uh it just yeah it's a great show and all the side characters are really you invest in them very quickly as well. Um, it's it's great, but it brings up loads of like really imp- interesting questions about just us. Re- like for example, the episode I was watching an episode yesterday where one of the because like I've mentioned before, Bo- I don't want to explain. I don't want to give spoilers or anything as to what he does. That's so bad, but he does some pretty bad stuff, and he feels really bad about them. But then he decides, he 
but that just makes him more depressed really and he's he's an incredibly depressed person and he's very suicidal and he drinks himself and he drugs himself to the point where you know he damages other people around him that he cares about and he hates himself he really really hates himself it's you know it ticks all the boxes in that sort of sense okay so he's making a tv show himself because remember he's an actor he's making a tv show about a flawed character that's very very similar to himself and he said that by making this tv show and the char- and playing the character that he's playing who like i said is just like himself he because the character is kind of likable he sort of feels as if it makes it makes him feel better for all the crap he's done because he feels like well if that guy if that guy's likable then so am I. something along those lines i, I can't get it exactly right but essentially, it's, it raises the question of, like... Because there are so many TV shows that are like this. And funnily enough, they're usually my favourite shows as well. Bojack Horseman, Mad Men... Um, well, uh, there's the, the Sopranos, which I haven't seen, but that was one of the ones that they reference. Um, and basically, pretty much any mafia thing or, you know, just any any show or movie or whatever with an anti-hero. It's like, should we really be making these type of characters likable because then it sort of excuses all the crap they've done so one of the characters in bojack horse in the show bojack horseman who's a friend of bojack's she calls him out on it and she says you know you shouldn't feel better you shouldn't try and find peace with the stuff you've done you know it should torment you for the rest of your days you should feel bad about it and you know i do kind of agree with that in a sense because like why should he why should he get to forgive himself for the crap he's done he's done some really bad stuff at the end of the day i don't want bojack horseman to kill himself because i do like him as a character even though he's like a horrible horrible person um but what do i expect him to do instead like do i want him to live the rest of his days in pain or do i want him to forget that he's done those bad stuff do i want him to forgive himself and if he forgives himself, what kind of justice is that? You know? It's... I think it's really interesting. And it's quite tricky. And also, why is it that the media, TV, film, whatever, why do we have such fascination in, in with these types of characters? Why do we want to see so many Bo- Bojack Horseman type characters? Why do we want to see so many of these flawed men who do really nasty stuff to other people why do we want to sympathize with them i shouldn't be rather i mean i guess we we're, we're, we love a flawed character but why does it always have to be the male the man who is like relatively privileged that seems to be the type of character that we always sort of lean into is like the one that we that's the one that everyone seems to fall in love with that's the one that we all die to watch um maybe we should give way to stories of people who aren't like that but then at the same time you know nobody's perfect and nobody wants to see a perfect character everyone has their flaws it's hard i don't know these are just questions i had whilst watching the show and i thought they're interesting to put out here in mad men i don't know if any of you guys have seen mad men mad men is if you like look at 
ratings and like in terms of like i'm sure if you like google the top tv shows of all time this mad men will come up quite highly on that list it's i watched it over the i think it was over christmas last year and it's it's about it's set in the 60s the show grows throughout the entire 60s so it starts off in 1959 turning 1960 and the show ends 1971 i believe so it covers the entire period of the 60s and it's about advertisers the the people who ran us madison avenue in new york that was where advertising existed that was like the the home of advertising at the time and so that's why it's called mad men madison avenue men um and the main character is Don Draper, and he, he's just, he's just like Bojack in a way, he's one of those sort of like tortured characters, he's always miserable, he always hates himself, and I guess the differences between him and Bojack is that he's very successful, and everyone likes him, or everyone wants to be him, all the women want to be with him. I, to be honest, I, he wasn't my favourite character in the show, I'll be honest, so I, I really liked the setting of it, because I'm obsessed with like the 60s and all that, so watching all these big cultural events happening as the show went on, you know, it went, it started with JFK being elected, Mar- no, it started with Marilyn Monroe's death, that was the first big event, then it was JFK's election, then it was, you know, the Martin Luther King, and then, you know, Man on the Moon, Vietnam, all these things. It was very interesting. The Beatles, whatever. I really liked that, and I liked watching how the set design and the co- and the costumes would change over time. How the, just the generally the culture and how that sort of shifted in that period. Very interesting. Um, Don Draper himself, I guess he was quite interesting because, well, he was. He was the main character, but he wasn't the thing that stood out to me the most. So maybe that's proof that those sort of characters aren't the most important thing in the world i don't think you i don't know if you can understand why i'm going with this conversation i'm sort of rambling a bit do you know another character that i think is similar to these ones fleabag <laughs> um i don't know if you've seen fleabag so i'll give a summary again this one it's a much shorter show compared to the others and it's actually not that similar i don't know i don't know maybe it's more similar to bojack than it is to mad men because it's a comedy but it's also quite sad but this one I guess leans much more heavily into the comedy side and it's just about this woman in her I guess 30s living in London and she uses comedy to deflect from her like sadness you know as they all do I guess she's an example of like it doesn't always have to be the privileged white man it could also be the privileged white woman instead (laughs) Um, she comes from like a middle class white family but like her I mean her her struggles you know her sadness that's sort of the underlying thing that carries the entire show that's the most interesting part of it you know maybe maybe the reason why they don't really have so much of those kind of stories with more working class people is because that's sort of a privilege that only the rich are allowed the opportunity you know the opportunity to to have those kind of thoughts or am i just being crazy maybe that's not the case but you know 
the existential dread and all those kinds of things they're always it's always those kinds of people that get to have it i guess bojack is not a person he's a horse and he's actually a brown horse but i don't think there's any kind of racism to the horses so i don't think that really matters and no one really looks down on him because he's a horse so i guess that's not really a problem for him but anyway he's privileged in the sense that he's like a rich movie star what else did i want to talk about i want to talk about like romanticism because i feel like romanticism is one of those things that people there's a few like buzzwords that people really like to cling on to and i feel like romanticism and glorification are two that stand out a lot especially more recently i guess and people are trying to when it comes to things like drug abuse or violence the things like that you know all those bad stuff (laughs) all those bad things (laughs) um people it's always a case of like are they romanticizing it are they glorifying this behavior and here's a hot take for you i think that inherently just by like showing it through the media through any kind of media really art dance music film tv theater opera i know inherently just by doing that that is a romanticism of it maybe not a glorification of it but a glorification of it but a romanticism of it because by deeming it important enough to be the subject of whatever it is whatever art media you're choosing by deeming it important enough you are sort of revering it i feel i don't know if it's just me here but i think if somebody writes a song about you that's the biggest compliment in the world um regardless of whether the song is particularly pleasant towards you or not i think that's a really big compliment because it shows you're important enough to be put into that to be put into a song you had a big enough impact on that person's life and it's the same thing with drugs with i don't know i i'm I'm looking at drugs more specifically here i guess but it can apply to anything um but just by the fact that it's in, in, it plays an important part in the artist's vision that it has to be portrayed, I think that is an act of reverence, and that's an, and in doing so, that it's it, it's always going to be glorified. I mean, not glorified, romanticized. Um, art in it of itself, I think, is romantic. Just the exact the existence of art is romantic regardless of what kind of art it is but that being said the the portrayal of it can dictate exactly how much it is romanticized and how much is glorified one of the there are only a couple of instances where i've truly felt repulsed by the the depictions of drugs again i'm just i'm gonna focus on drugs here because it's the only one i can really think of clearly in terms of examples but the 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 only there's only been a couple of instances where that's really sort of stood out to me as like truly grotesque and i guess that's probably what you want to achieve because i think the grotesque is the opposite of the romantic and that would be train spotting and requiem for a dream by 
Okay, so these are two films. I haven't seen the play that Train Spotting is based on, so I can't really judge by the play, so I'm just going to look at the film version of it. Requiem for a Dream is by Darren Aronofsky. You might know his work. He also wrote and directed um, Mother, which is a film that came out a few years ago with Jennifer Lawrence. That one garnered a lot of controversy. Um, he also did Black Swan, the one with Natalie Portman about ballet. <laughs> um, he also did Noah, which was the film about Noah's Ark that came out a few years ago as well. Those are the other three that I think that you might possibly know of. But yeah, he created, he did this film Requiem for a Dream and it stars Jared Leto and Jennifer Connelly. Um, and they're, it's just about like drug addicts really. And I don't know what, I can't remember, I watched it a while ago, but I can't remember what about it. It's just like really, it was truly disgusting to watch and I couldn't, it wasn't like gory. It wasn't gore. It was just something about the energy of it was just really, really unnerving and it made me feel sick. And it's one of those films, like I'm looking at the letterbox reviews now, and the first review that comes up, the most popular one is, this is a horror movie. And this got 1,400 likes. So I guess just, just the general impression about it, it feels like a horror film. It's genuinely scary. Um, here's another review. Man oh man, I'm never doing drugs. <laughs> and there's another review saying, drugs bad. And these are all the really popular reviews, they got hundreds and hundreds of likes. So this this is a film that is genuinely, I mean, I guess that's credit to Darren Aronofsky, I guess, because he didn't glorify it at all. He did the complete opposite. He made everyone want to run away from drugs, which, you know, a lot of shows say they're trying to do, but let's be honest, they're not. For example, Skins. I get it. Like, there's a bad outcome at the end of it. They take the drugs, but they're also very upset. But at the same time, you know, the, the, the depiction of the partying is very romantic in and of itself you know they're having a good time and I guess that's possibly more authentic because obviously the process of like partying taking drugs whatever it's not always going to be doom and gloom but at the same time you know just by showing them having a good time even though it may be more authentic that is romanticism and that's the reason why you know in what was it like 2007 or whatever loads of people were holding skins inspired parties all over the place if that if that's not romanticism i don't know what is you know as much as the people the people making the show would argue it isn't and that they're trying to show the real truth about it and i guess i haven't seen euphoria but i imagine it does the same because at the end of the day even though it is shows like the harsh life of the teens and whatever kind of struggles they're having alcohol addiction drug addiction sexual violence i don't know whatever at the end of the day there are kids on tiktok doing euphoria challenge like makeup inspired challenges and it's like even though they're not necessarily attaching themselves onto that darker side of the show the fact that there is this kind of beauty to be found within the show through the makeup or whatever it is you're looking for that beauty is inherently going to be associated with that all the nasty stuff whereas with requiem for a dream you know i can't think of a single beautiful thing in that film all of it made me feel sick i felt incredibly uncomfortable the entire time i felt ill genuinely watching it so if you want to watch that give it a go i've heard lots of people say it's one of those films that you can just watch once and then never again it's not one that you want to watch multiple times same thing with train spotting i think train spotting may be a little bit less so than requiem for a dream 
because there were some points that were like genuinely like entertaining in a good way as opposed to a bad way I guess if you can possibly say that but it definitely had those moments where it was like this is disgusting I could never imagine doing this in my life it's awful why would anyone want to do this and I think that's the only way to not romanticize those kinds of things if you know what I mean maybe I'm misusing the term romanticism but I don't know I might be crazy but I definitely feel like if you're gonna show depression what drugs I've said drugs so many times recently um whatever if you're gonna show one of those things unless it's the most painful experience possible to watch it's gonna feel like romanticism because there are gonna there's gonna be beauty alongside the bad and as long as those two are next to each other people are gonna the the two separate things are slightly gonna blend and people are gonna sort of see them as one you know it's like i mean the romantics had this painting of oh i can't remember the guy's name but they they revered this one guy I'm looking it up now. This one guy who killed himself, and they were they were obsessed with this painting of him lying dead. There we go. The death of Chatterton. This painting, they loved it. They're obsessed with it, and it shows him lying dead there. And it's like suicide is not a beautiful thing. That's something that needs to be known. Like they obviously the opinion of the romantics was very different to the current day view, but just the fact that films like 13 reasons why whatever whatever these shows are you know the fact that they're showing suicide alongside love whatever beauty whatever emotion all these like but like sort of positive in a way kind of emotions any i feel like any emotion that's almost not like sickness is sort of alluring if you know what i mean like even sadness people like well I, I i say people i'm referring to myself here i kind of like feeling sad sometimes you know people watch sad movies and like you know what i'm ready to cry or they listen to a sad song they're like you know what i'm gonna sit here and i'm gonna cry and it's like an it's a voluntary experience that people want to have and i feel like that's the same thing with watching these kind of shows you know obviously they know that if they're going to watch 13 reasons why they're going to be sad about it but at the same time it's, it's a sadness that people desire so it, and in that sense it's still romanticism because you it's something you want you know it, i think the opposite of romanticism is repulsion really where you physically feel repelled by this thing and that's not what was it that's not the case with those kind of shows so i think it is romantic in that sense i'm um maybe i'm just rambling uh this has gone on for quite a bit so i think i might end it now um i have other things i want to talk about so if people like this me just talking on my own then i might do a few more i probably will do because i don't think i have the energy to like find a, a different guest for every single week and i just sort of want to talk about these things um my thoughts might have been a bit incoherent here because I'm just sort of saying what comes to my head, like, off the cuff, you know, none of this is scripted or anything. Um, but yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. That was another episode of 
knobbly knees. I hope you enjoyed it. It was just me this time and I just wanted to talk about these things because I thought they were interesting. So yeah, thank you. Huzzah! <laughs>